In today's culture, we hear a lot of people asking, what is a woman? Understanding our identity as men and women seems to be a challenge. But as women of faith, we see an opportunity to take that question even deeper. What is the spiritual impact of being a woman? In today's episode, we sit down with Noel Garcia to unpack the gift of womanhood and how we can embrace this gift and live it joyfully. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples. Welcome back to another episode of Life Beyond the Chariot, our in-office edition. And today we are really excited to be joined by a dear friend of mine, uh, Noelle Garcia McHugh. She is an international Catholic speaker. She's the director of Catholic programs for EQ Saints. She's also a wife and a mom, and I have known her for most of my life, which is awesome. So, Noelle, will you introduce yourself to us, please? Sure. I feel like you already did such a good job. You said everything better than I could possibly say it, but... um no, so I am married. My husband is a part-time youth minister and he's starting his own business. I've got six kids. All of them are girls except for five. Get it? Okay. And so, so yeah, five boys and one girl. They're, uh, the youngest is two and the oldest is almost 13. I'm going to have my first teenager this year. So pray for me. Good luck. Yeah, I'm going to have a teenager in May and another one in September. So who knows what's to come? <laughs> Maybe we'll have a music podcast about what to do with teenagers. <laughs> we need that. So y'all just go through it first. And then when I have four or five teenagers in the house, I can just soak in all of your wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or battle scars. Like that's, you know, we didn't really plan this very well in being, you know, quote, open to life when we had uh you know little kids back to back didn't realize oh yeah that means we're gonna have teenagers back to back and so multiple teen drivers and I don't know how we're gonna afford all the insurances for these boys and their driving but hopefully my husband's business will take off and we'll be good (laughs) god provides god provides that's right or everybody's walking or riding a bike that's it there you go bicycles for everyone (laughs) For sure. All right. Well, um, Noelle, I'm so happy that you're here joining us. Every podcast we've had with you has been wonderful and I've I've loved it and we've heard great things from our audience. Um, and we wanted to have you back on. Um, this year we're doing the year of baptism in the Diocese of Tyler. And when Deanna and I were in the brainstorming uh phase of things that we wanted to do, we really focused on like our identity, um, because there's a lot of confusion that can come with our identity and who we are. So before getting into all the weeds with that, we thought, what if we just talk about our true identity as um, baptized Catholics, as women, uh, to sort of lay the foundation of what does it mean to be a Catholic woman? And what does it mean to be a Catholic woman in the world today? Uh, What does it mean to be feminine? And so just exploring all of that and having this conversation with you. So um, 
Yeah. I'm ready to I hear from it. these. Oh, great. These, this, these powerhouse women, both of you, I have the utmost respect for you. So when we get to talk about the beauty of femininity and womanhood, I can't think of two other women I'd rather sit down with than, than you two ladies. So. Awesome. Yeah. I love it because I feel like, so just like coming out of the park swinging is um, I, we, we keep asking this question, what is a woman? And that keeps getting redefined and redefined. And so I was sitting with that question and I was like, I don't even like that question because then it still reduces it to a, a specific set of, of criteria and leaves out still that spiritual dimension. So if I'm looking at this from a faith standpoint, I'm not so, and, and even in my own identity and my own relationships and my own journey as a woman, it it's, what does it mean to be a woman? I think is the question that we have to sit with and we have to reflect like, all right, I, I am a woman. What does that mean? How does that affect how I relate to God? How does that affect how I relate with a spouse or the opposite sex? And how, how do I relate to being a mom or whatever that is like there or, or with other women, how do I relate to other women? And for me, just kind of unpacking a little bit of my own story, I really, really struggled with motherhood. Um, and I struggled with, uh, I, I think even dating culture to, to back it up even further dating culture. I felt I always had to have a boyfriend, I didn't date the best people that I could have dated or should have dated or not dated at all ever. Um, I should have spent more time uh, just in discernment, not so much like, well, this is the path because I'm a woman and this is the path I need to keep dating and dating until I find a husband, then I'm going to get married and then I'm going to have kids and that's what women do. Right. And so I did the serial dating for a little bit and then stopped. And then was in a few long, longer term relationships and it still wasn't quite right. Um, but I heard this said to me that love is a decision. And so I'm like pouring my heart into these relationships and I'm like, I'm really deciding. And yet these relationships are going really badly. Why? I don't understand, you know, until finally somebody said to me, or it was in a conversation where um, it occurred to me that for me, I have such a desire, such this innate desire to pour my heart out, but it has to be reciprocated. That's love. You know, it's not just that love is a decision. Okay, great. I made that decision, but the other person has to equally make that same decision and pour themselves out. So understanding that was my first step towards understanding what it means to be a woman in relationship, uh, not just, do you know what I'm saying? Where I'm like, yeah, I, I'm going to pour my heart out and I'm trying really hard to fix everything and make this work. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's almost like there needs to be security in who we are as women, as children of God first, before like diving into whatever vocation God has for us, whether that's motherhood or the single life or religious life, but to have a firm foundation and like, this is my identity as a child of God um, by virtue of my baptism. I know for me that that was a must before being able to even receive 
the the ability to even meet my husband like I had to be in a place where it was like okay I'm secure in who I am so like how do we get there in a while like how do we find that security because there is I feel like there's a lot of noise that comes at us just as human beings of course like social media and even in like specifically like the Catholic world I feel like there's a very at times it can feel like there's a very narrow sense of like this is what it means to be a Catholic woman um but if we just like break that open or, or go more foundational to like what does it mean to be rooted as a child of God um, and rooted in my femininity and um, and who I am in God's eyes first like how how do we build that foundation to even get there yeah I, well, and I was looking for, it's just what you just said. I was looking for validation from all the wrong places, right? Like any, that romantic high makes you feel, you know, whole as a woman, <laughs> I feel beloved. Um, and so I made a, a conscious decision actually. Okay. So I'm not going to say what movie it was, but I watched a movie. It was not, uh, I don't recommend it. <laughs> it's rated R, but I was watching it with my boyfriend at the time and the whole premise is this woman trying to change this man to fit what she wants because she desires she desires a good um, relationship with her um, or for her child. And he just can't get there. And I, I remember leaving that movie and being like, Lord, I've put, I've put everything. I've put so much into this relationship. Like, sh- what do I do? this is not working out. And he very clearly said to me, you can um, stay in this relationship and I'll be with you, or you can break up and trust me that I've got something better for you. And so I broke up and then I decided, okay, no more dating, n- none of that. I need to focus on con- on my relationship with the Lord. I need to know that I'm loved no matter what, no matter what relationship I'm in, no matter if I'm single, no matter what. And that was a turning point for me and a conversion for me as a woman that I can be so beloved, even if nobody loves me, <laughs> you know? And that's powerful when God can speak to us or no, he always speaks to us when we are in a place to hear it. And, and it, we become convinced that we are God's beloved. Like I'll tell you like that moment for me, when I um, very clearly was at a place to receive that from God, it changed so much of um, my outlook. And, and like, and I like what you said too, about how um, not just to look at like, what is a woman, but what does it mean to be a woman in relationship? Um, because all of our life is in relation to something, most importantly, our relationship to God. Um, and then our family, our friends, if our vocation is to marriage, then to our husband and to our children, that we don't live out our identity in a vacuum. And so I loved how you said that uh, knowing like who we are and how that affects our relationship because that's all what it is. And in heaven, it's going to be an eternal relationship with our father, um, with our Lord. And so um, I guess I never heard it really phrased that way. You know, like we've always heard, I've always heard like Catholic femininity and womanhood, but, ah, but in relationship. And I think that's key. And knowing that we are beloved by God first and foremost um, is the most important for me, building block foundational point. Yeah. And that's, 
that is that capacity for another person that so when we say like uh what is a woman well physically i have the capacity for another person right through motherhood or through my relationship with my spouse but it's also it's got such deep rich spiritual meaning that capacity for god that's imaged through who i am that's imaged through the blessed mother who literally had the incarnate god in within her you know she I always like to say, um, and I'm sure that I stole it from somebody, but um, it just stuck in my mind and it's always in there that salvation began in the heart of a woman, you know, just in that initial like openness in her heart and then openness in her womb, you know, and, and I think that that first core to our identity and knowing that we're beloved is that openness in our heart for God, that capacity for God, because we do, uh, have this just desire for um, compassion and um, bringing people in, you know, that mother church brings people in as capacity for all of us. It's just such a, a rich spiritual meaning that I think it's lost in the conversation about, particularly now when we're talking about identity crises and, and um, sex versus gender and all of this stuff. It's like, we're, we're not having the conversations about the deep, rich spiritual meaning of what women image to the world is that capacity that only a a mother knows a, a person from the inside out uh through through her womb or through adoption from the inside out that I desire I have this desire for a child in my heart and I bring that child in like it begins with that desire um within her Oh, that's beautiful. And I, as you were describing that, it was also reminding me of how the church fathers, and I'm not a scholar like my husband, so I can't quote exactly who it was, but um, the church fathers talk often about how the waters of baptism are like the womb of the church. There's a lot of um, feminine imagery when it comes to how we talk about the church, the womb and being receptive and all of that. And I mean, it's, it's truly beautiful. And sometimes I think that people hear words like receptive or even passive. And I mean, we, we, when we recorded this, we, when we're recording this um, recently, we celebrated the solemnity of the Annunciation. And even that, like in my very secular philosophy of feminism <laughs> classes in college, I remember my professor talking about how it seemed like an injustice to Mary, um, that the Annunciation, um, I think she, at the time she even used a very harsh word, like she was taken advantage of by God. And it was very shocking to kind of hear that. How could you even have that perspective? It's a, a real lack of knowledge of, you know, what that fiat is, um, but that can be a real struggle for some women is to see like, okay, well, I'm not. I'm not necessarily receptive. I'm, you know, I am woman, hear me roar. Like we're, we're, there's this desire to be a strong and independent and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but there are women, like they don't necessarily have a desire for motherhood and they wouldn't necessarily call themselves feminine. So where do they find themselves or where do we find ourselves in like this definition of, um, you know, being a woman in relationship? I think that that seems to be a real key theme here. Um, but like, how, how do we navigate that as, as women, if we don't necessarily like find ourselves fitting in a particular box? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that we have been told for so long that this capacity for another is a vulnerability and therefore a weakness, you know, and, and, but it's actually a strength. Um, and, and that's taken me again, like, we're just going to talk about all my conversions, but that that's been another conversion just through motherhood, because I don't, you know, we have six kids and people will tell me, oh, you must really love being pregnant. I'm like, no, I hate it. I hate being pregnant. I, I don't like the toll it takes on my body. I don't like having to roll out of bed. And, you know, like, I mean, Deanna knows all the things right now. Right? <laughs> it's like, great. Um, I, yeah, I, and I don't, I'm not good at home economic type things. I'm really bad at it. I hate crafts. I hate baking. All of the things that I thought that I had to be good at to be a woman, uh, to be a holy woman, particularly a Catholic woman, because there are some very, very, very uh, uh, harsh messages for women um, in the in our Catholic circles about what does that look like, and it's very rigidly defined about this is what you have to do to be a good wife and mom. And I, I was in a deep depression about that. That why do I hate this? Like God, why did you make me this way? I I do feel that sense of independence or being like outside of the box. I work, you know, oh my goodness. I, you know, I, I do things that are um, outside of that box. And what it's come down to for me is first of all, not seeing that my, and I never felt, I never ever, ever felt like my children were taking away from something. I felt like I, I wasn't, that I was deficient. That's what I felt like. It wasn't the kids were taking from me, but I was deficient. But I also had ingrained all of these messages like, well, of course you're deficient because you had kids. And of course you're deficient because your husband needs you, you know? (laughs) And so, but instead of turning that around and saying like, wow, I am in a place of empowerment. I'm in in a place of empowerment with my children, with my husband, um, with my fellow women, you know, I love to be with other women and, and help to build them up. And, and that compassion that we have, that capacity for another person to be able to bring somebody in. And then when they leave you, they're better. That's awesome. And it's not um, a drain on our, our womanly energy. It's actually um, a, a healing uh, and, an, and, an, and a, a, an empowerment. Yeah, I'd like to, um, I love what you're saying. And I want to go back to a few things too that Deanna said, like what you said, your professor mentioned about like um, almost like an abuse of, of Mary. And I think what's important for us to remember is that we don't know much of Mary's life before the Annunciation. And so I think sometimes when we read that, we think God just inserted himself into a life that was just like, what's going on? But to realize that, she was a faithful Jew. She was religious. She um, grew up being prayerful and reflective. Uh, She sought God's will. And so because she was, well, first she was prepped from him by God from the get-go, right? Um, Through the Immaculate Conception, but she still um, was seeking to do God's will. She was still prayerful and reflective. And so I think sometimes, and this is for me, when I'm getting away from like truly seeking God's will and being prayerful and reflective, sometimes I'm, well, in those times, I'm almost always resistant. 
and it almost seems like an impossible task. And when that's the case, the opportunity for me to be receptive is thwarted. And so when we look at Mary and, and using her as our model is that seeking to do God's will in every moment in our lives is key and being prayerful and reflective. And when we do that, we, um, our capacity for another grows immensely. And again, how that looks like is going to be different. But if we as women can say, I am seeking to do God's will, and that's what I'm doing, and I'm being prayerful and I'm reflective. Like, I think sometimes we can get into this thing of like, oh, so-and-so is being selfish or um, not being giving enough. And so, but I think if we as women could just say, I really am trying to do God's will. I am praying. I am reflecting. And the more that I do that, the more receptive I come for God to breathe new life into the world through me. I think that's where our confidence needs to be. And if we're ever shaken, like, I, I really don't know what God is calling me to do, we'll go back to the drawing board. Am I seeking to do God's will? Am I praying? Um, and when we do that, our receptivity uh, for God and what he wants us to do just blossoms. And I think this is one of the things that's so heartbreaking to me when I hear women say, for what, and it could be over a myriad of issues, but, oh, I could never do that. Um, or like people who don't want to have children or they're not open to that. Like, I couldn't imagine that. Or even good Catholic families are like, oh, the idea of adding one more child. Like, I don't know if I can do that. Um, and that can be scary. And I, I don't want to minimize that, but when, um, but yeah, we can't imagine that without God's grace. We can't imagine that without seeking the will of God and being prayerful and reflective. And I think, it just makes my heart break um, when we think that we have to do those in our own capacity, but we can't do it without God and without our relationship with him. So, yeah, well, and, and you contrast, you know, Mary's fiat with, you know, Eve's fall where God is like, everything that I have is yours uh, and eat, but don't eat of that tree, you know, just to give her the choice, to give her the choice. Do you want everything that I have or not? And she's like, man, I'm going to go try this, you know? And so that she falls, but then in the same way with Mary's fiat, everything that God has is hers, the entire divine presence in her body, you know? And she says, behold, be it done to me according to thy word. Um, but she also says, she asked that question, how can this be um, since I have no relationship with, with the man? So it is, it's an active trust. It's not a blind like, oh, yeah, just do whatever you want to me. Like your professor was kind of saying. It's like, it's as active. How is this going to happen? But but with faith, whereas, you know, with um, Zechariah, when, when he's told Elizabeth is going to have a baby and he's like, well, how can this happen? She's too old. You know, it's from a place of doubt. So they almost ask the same question, but the disposition of each person is very different. Exactly. You both said some things that are just so profound. Like Mickey, when you talk about like, you know, just having that capacity to, to, to be secure in God's plan or just like seek to do God's will. 
like when that's the driving question for us as women, it removes any of this, like, well, if you're a real Catholic woman, you have X number of children, or if you're a real Catholic woman, you don't work outside the home. If you're a real Catholic woman, you love liturgical living and crafts, like that's immediate fail right here. <laughs> like, like all of these things, like if it, if this, if the primary goal is I'm seeking to do God's will in all things, then it is an, it's like that active discernment. It's like with couples and, and using fertility awareness or practicing responsible parenthood, they are seeking to do God's will. And no one can like hand you a certificate that says, you know, you, this is your formula for what your family should look like. Or, and with women, like this is your formula for what your femininity should look like. It is seeking to do God's will first and foremost, and how Mary is such a model of that. If it is seeking God's will, and ultimately, like, that's where we're going to find happiness, right? Just by by putting God first in all things. And whether we're married or in religious life or single, that has to be the driving question for us. And then, Noel, what you were saying about having this capacity for another and that people are better after having having entered our space, like, they leave better because they had an encounter with us. Like, how often do we think about that? And I think women do have this particular, um, we have like the superpower where we can either, we have a really, a really uh, strong capacity to point out the flaws in other people, like just that like mean girl gene, right? We, we can, we can really gang up on one another, but also when there's like that camaraderie and that support, like women supporting women um, or just uplifting one another. Oh my gosh. Like that, that is a very powerful um, thing. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about our, our diocese is there are communities of women that are just like, you're just around them. Like Mickey is this way. Like anybody who encounters Mickey, like you just leave smiling. (laughs) Like you can't help it. You're just like this ray of sunshine and everyone in the diocese knows who she is because they've had an encounter with her and they leave better. Um, but like, I, I think sometimes we forget that as women that like, it can go either way. People can either leave feeling um, empty or they can leave feeling more full, um, hopefully full of God's love. And not to make that like sound super cheesy or something, but does, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. First of all, thank you, Deanna. You almost made me cry. I didn't wear a waterproof mascara. You can't do this while I'm on camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I I do think um, because we are, because of the way that we're made and that call to nurture, I think that's why when, when women are not um, nurturing to other women, that that can be why it hurts so much because we understand that deep down, like we have the capacity and God is calling us to nurture life in others, right? Um, Yes, in a physical way in motherhood, but even besides that, before you even get to motherhood, and this is what we need to teach our girls about the beauty of being a woman and a Catholic woman is that we are called to nurture the life of Christ in this world through every relationship our relationship with um, our friends at school um, or our um, other family members or cousins, uh, people that we meet. And, and I think that that's what can be so damaging is that when we, um, when we don't get right, what God has called us to um, the pain that, 
that we see and the distortion that comes in um, that no matter our vocation, our call to nurture life, to nurture grace, to nurture virtue is what we're um, called to regardless of vocation, uh, regardless of state of our state in life. And so, um, sorry, I got on a tangent. I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, it's yeah. Nurturing other women, I think is really important. And I think we can do a lot of damage um, because we know how to, we know that the places of vulnerability, um, you know, my husband and I, we were talking about, and if you knew my husband, this would make total sense. So it's, it's going to sound like he's a jerk, but he's really not. But he said to me so, something along the lines of like, um, I, he said, you know, when people say to their girlfriend, oh, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. He goes, how could they possibly know that? <laughs> and I said, no, it's, it's just a, it's supposed to be romantic. And he goes, well, I understand how she could be the most beautiful person in the world to you, but she's not like literally necessarily the most beautiful person in the world. <laughs> so, but I, I was thinking about that and I was like, yeah, you know, from the, the insecurities and jealousies tend to be the things that really destroy us as women, even if we're not comparing ourselves to other people, it's putting the expectation upon ourselves. This is what I should be. You know, oh, she's so great at homemaking. This is what I should be. And it it ends up like the devil is so good about taking our focus um, and and making on, on putting our focus on something that we're not even called to do and saying like, this is the ideal and you are bad. Um, and I, I fall into that a lot. And I think that the well, two things have helped me significantly. And one, I got advice during confession where the priest told me, you know, the next time that you feel jealous, I want you to just thank God for whatever it is that you're jealous for that this person has. So he would say, you know, if, if this woman over here is beautiful, just say, thank God, thank you, God, for making her beautiful. Um, Or thank you, God, for making this woman so good at cooking a nice meal for her family, you know, because he goes, if you can at least do that, even if you don't mean it, but you're thanking God, you're, you're acknowledging that God is working in that person's life. And then through your, through those prayers, you'll begin to start noticing, well, what am I thankful for? What is God doing in my life? How has he gifted me? What am I good at? Um, and, and you start to see the fruits because I'm convinced that we get a lot of very bitter, angry women because they don't believe that they're good at anything. They've lost that, that sense of um, gratitude for who they are and what they're good at. Man, that sin of comparison. Oh, that, I think that gets, I know for me, just speaking for myself, I know that that gets me often because and I like that ad- advice from the priest to like be grateful for the things that you see in other people um, that you're jealous of. It reminds me of like the litany of humility from like from the desire of being esteemed, deliver me Jesus, but also like the second half. I hate that prayer so much, but it's so good. <laughs> like, it's painful to pray like that others may be loved more than I like really, but I like being, I like being the favorite. Um, but that's a powerful prayer to pray. And I know we're going to have a part two of this conversation where we really dive more into like specifically how this impacts us as wives and mothers. But, um, you know, I'm just thinking of 
you know, John Paul II and his call for a new feminism, um, you know, like really understanding like who are women um, and highly recommends that people read all of his stuff. <laughs> but he talks about a feminine genius and we may have talked about this on, on a previous episode, um, but just like this, everything that we're talking about here, like just this capacity um, for the lens in which we see the world, it's a it's a unique gift, but it doesn't necessarily box us into, you know, you have to look like this in order to be a good Catholic woman. And I was actually having a conversation with our director of communications, um, Elizabeth Slayton. We should probably have her on at some point, but she's single. Um, she's in her early 30s and she's a, you know, she's a professional woman. And she has been really shocked by how quickly people when they meet her they want to know like well is she married and when she tells them no they ask her well oh are you going back to school and she's just found that like people really want to tie her to like kind of like an institution like you're either married or you're you must be working on getting educated and then from there it's kind of like this well why like how could how can you be single and happy and that is probably like a whole other podcast episode but like it's just really interesting to hear that experience of, of her like just navigating um her vocation because she's very secure in being a catholic single woman and she doesn't feel called to discern religious life she doesn't feel called to discern marriage right now she's just seeking the will of god like mickey was saying and and doing that faithfully and like to give women the confidence to say if that is the season that god has you in right now like that's that's okay that's okay and it's okay to desire marriage it's okay to desire religious life it's okay to to want all of these different things but if god has you in this season of waiting um like to find peace in that and to see like where is god god working but yeah that may be another conversation to, to bring in at some point no, but I think I think what you're saying too is that it's important to realize that when we are talking about like our relationship with God and seeking the will of God, there are lots of things that God speaks to the soul of particular women that aren't understood. And I think it's easy to allow those things to either make us doubt um, or to maybe cause insecurity. And then when that happens, it's really hard for us to stay focused on the will of God. And so, um, I think, yeah, what's most important is there's something that I used to pray a lot, um, is that Lord help me desire what you desire for me. And so anytime that I was confused, cause we're going to have moments of confusion. We are going to have moments where we don't know what God is calling us to. Uh, we, um, don't know really what our life is going to look like, you know, um, because there's no guarantee of these earthly things. And so in those moments to keep, sort of keep that heart of Mary, like, Lord, I desire whatever you desire for me. I desire whatever you desire for me. And then whether it's kind of what we have desired for ourselves or, um, or on that path or something completely different, that we know that if it's what God desires for us, he will give us every grace and spiritual blessing that's necessary for us to do that. And just resting in that confidence, which I can say about it. I can talk about it now with all the confidence in the world, but I don't actually live that out with all the confidence in the world. There's a lot of self-doubt that comes, but if we can just really try to focus on that, um, I think it would be a huge help. Yeah. And knowing things come in seasons too. 
you know, like you'll have maybe a season of singlehood or a season of working or a season of staying at home. You know, sometimes things are in seasons. Like I know that I am right now feeling more of a call to be home. And so I'm just waiting for God to say, okay, when, when do you want me to be, to be more home? Like I'm, I'm waiting for that opportunity and that, whereas I've had other seasons where the Lord has been like, I need you to go and do these things. And so, you know, I'm in a, season of marriage no I'm just kidding I'm, I'm stuck with David. <laughs> <laughs> we're stuck in that it's a lifelong lifelong season um and so but yeah but but that that discernment is a regular uh, uh practice of a Christian disciple amen well we could keep going but we're gonna stop here and get ready for our part two of uh, of this conversation where, like I said, we're going to dive more into the specifics of um, the vocation that many of, of us or all of us on this podcast and, and our listeners um, are in as being wives and mothers. And how does that affect, you know, this, this lens of, of Catholic womanhood. But before we wrap up, Noel, where can people find you? Um, you can find me at mqministries.net. Is probably the best. I also have Instagram, Noel Garcia Music, and then um, uh, I work with EQ Saints, which is eqsaints.com. Nice. All right. Well, thank you so much for this first half of our conversation, and uh, we'll check back in with y'all soon for part two. Awesome.